With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, this is Sunday, June the 12th. OMG, June the 12th. Okay. We're back. And Ralph, thanks again. And and I, two more weeks at least. It'll just be like, I'll let you know. When's that bench? 20th, 19th. The 26th and the, the, the next one. Of, of June? July. June. Like the 26th of June and the and then the next one, whatever that is. So that'd be like July something. And maybe three, just, you know, depending on how I do. Oh, yeah. But I fully intend to be driving in two weeks, so if I could drive out. So. July, hmm? July, 3rd. July 3rd. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. So thanks, Ralph. I, I mean, thank you big time. I appreciate that. So okay, that's it. But you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. I wish I was here. This one, I want to be a mouse under the chair somewhere, you know. But oh, I love Ken Ham. I would give anything to be soaking in that stuff. It's just he is wonderful. So. Yeah, and, and we need to hear that because that gives us valid arguments and support for what we believe, which is really cool. Well, I'm going to take you back. We actually, we, we got up to day five, but I'm going to back you up because we're going to start looking at Genesis 1 and 2 together and kind of put this in order. And I, I'm going to kind of mess with your um, timeline in your brain because God messed with mine, so I'm messing with yours. It's just the way it is, you know? Okay, at the end of day two, God had separated the firmaments, the water above the, the heavens and the water beneath the heavens. So we have this potential for um, um, like a terrarium, you know, a biosphere with the waters above and a latticework that held those waters up and then the waters beneath. And the earth, land, was commingled with the water. Okay? And um, so that was the end of day two. And um, he'd already spoken light into material. And then he put a harness on the light. Darkness isn't anything. Darkness is nothing. You, you can't define darkness apart from light. Darkness is just an absence of light. So darkness can't be harnessed. Light can. But when light is harnessed, which is what God did, darkness appears because it's an absence of the light. And we need both. We need the dark and we need the light. Um, we don't need complete darkness because actually that's quite painful. Um, there are pictures of it in... Um, uh, in Egypt, when God put total darkness on the land and light in Goshen, and the people were suffering tremendously, and there's a there's a place in Revelations where darkness covers part of the earth, and people are gnawing their tongues in pain. A complete absence of light is actually very painful because we're light beings, you know. So it's a very painful experience to be in complete dark, and. Um, so God would never make complete dark. He, he made a way that, you know, light could be reflected back to the earth, like through the moon, so that there was dark. We need the dark for, for rest purposes, but um, we, we can't survive in total darkness. Some animals do, but, but not us. We can't do it. Um, <clears throat> so um, that's on day two. Day three is where I'm going to kind of throw a ringer here. Um, I think we've talked about this before. The Hebrew authors 
in verse 1 when it talks about, or in verse 2 where it talks about the Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. And that the deep is actually, even though it just exists in God, it isn't material yet, it actually is the potential for creation, the deep. And um, in that deep, the Hebrew scholars say, it are all the elements of creation, light and water and earth. And, and water and earth are infused with light, or made from light, okay? So those are the three elements of creation. And in the earth, and we'll see it in just a minute, the Holy Spirit infused the, the earth, erets, the dirt, with a life-giving power. Um, so when we pick up on day three, I'm going to show it to you here. Um, go down to verse 9. And this is the beginning of what happens in day three. Alright, God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry earth appear. And it was so. He spoke that, and the waters, which have a tendency to cover everything, that's just the nature of water, was suddenly uh, hedged in and parameters were set on it so that it could not cover everything. And earth, which tends to sink in water, rose up out of the water and became dry land. So um, now you have dry land and you have the waters that have been contained that are called seas. Now we're going to put a time out right here because at this point something else happens before plants and before vegetation hits the ground. So go over to Genesis chapter 2. <coughs> Genesis chapter 2 is kind of like um, the filler that fills in the blank spaces in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is the rough outline. Genesis 2 gives you the details to fill in the rough outline, okay? So, look at verse 4. In, in chapter 2. These are the generations of the heavens <clears throat> and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Every plant of the, of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. Okay? So now he's, he's set the waters and the land is there. But something happened before any vegetation came up on the land. And this is it. For God had not caused it to rain. Now, that doesn't mean that God intended for it to rain. Actually, the phrase should be, and it did not rain. There has never been rain in the earth. Okay? It, when you read it the way God had not caused it to rain, leads you to believe that tomorrow He's going to cause it to rain. But that's not what it meant. It, it literally means that rain didn't exist. Okay? Rain did not exist. So you have dry dust of the land. And then you have the water that is separated from it. And God could not, you know, any good farmer will tell you that if you got dry dirt, nothing's coming up. At least it won't stay for very long. And so he had to have an irrigation system. He had to. <clears throat> so this is what he did. Look at verse um, 6. There went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So his irrigation system was literally an evaporation condensation cycle. The mist evaporated from the water and then condensated on the land so that that dry dirt became gushy and mushy like clay, like mud that could be formed into something. Okay, now all that happened in day three. 
It's not mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, but it is in chapter 2. So as soon as at the end of day 2, when the water was harnessed and the land appears, all of a sudden God sets up his irrigation system. Because that happens before there was any plant life in the field. And so he causes this condensation evaporation cycle to operate in the earth. And that's the way he waters everything. Once he says that, now go back to Genesis 1 verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Now the bring forth is a really powerful phrase. This bring forth is only used in two places. Genesis and Job. Okay? And the word is dashaw. It literally, it, it literally means infused with life. So that it's not that the plants just pop up out of the ground, but that the ground itself is infused with a life-giving power that gives life to the vegetation. So that literally life springs from the soil, which makes sense we're all made of dirt. So we sprang from this soil, this dirt, that has been infused by the power of the Holy Spirit with life. Literally, with existence, with life. So God is saying, let the earth, empowered with life, cause life to spring forth from itself. And this is the form it's going to take. It's going to be in plants and herbs and trees. All of them flowering and full of fruit. And in the fruit is the seed to reproduce after its kind. So, <clears throat> day three then was a pretty busy day. Um, he set up the um, watering system and then he commanded the earth to bring forth life from itself, which the Holy Spirit had infused in it in verses 1 and 2. Okay, so verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth, let the, the, the life-infused power of the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding seed, and the fruit trees yielding fruit after its kind, and whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth, there it is, and the earth gave life to grass and the herb-yielding seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit <clears throat> whose seed was in itself after its kind and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day so third day you now have a watering system <clears throat> and you have life infused soil sprouting plants right and left but that plant life is not going to survive very long because it needs the right amount of light and dark. So day four begins and God begins to set the times and the seasons so that this plant life can survive. And then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And we've talked about that. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. To rule over the day and over the night to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the fourth day had to do with the power of light that's necessary for all life to exist. And not just any light. You know, scientists will tell you, I don't know if Ken Ham got into it, but if you're 
one inch closer to the sun than we are, you're going to burn up. If you're one foot away, further away from the sun than we are, you're going to freeze to death. We are exactly where we need to be for life to exist. And um, that in itself is a miracle of, of unimaginable proportions. But, um, all right, so day four then was just establishing the rest of the greenhouse, putting in the lighting on the greenhouse. Day five and day six um, are really interesting to me. Um, God now, I think, is having a great meeting with Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are hammering out the final details on what is to come in this earth. Now that you got your feed crops in, the animal life is next. Okay? Now I always thought that the animals were actually created on day five. I don't know about you, but I always thought animals are created on day five. I, I'm going to mess with your minds a little bit here. As if I haven't done that before. I think... And, and it's because of the word created. Bara and Asa. Two different words, remember? Bara is to think and plan and design and lay everything out in your imagination. Asa is to declare it so. Okay? If you look at day 5, all you see in verse 21 is the word created and it is Bara. I think he's having this great conversation with himself and he is also speaking to all the mediums that are going to contain animal life he's speaking to the air he's speaking to the water and he's speaking to the land and he's going to use the word bring forth but now that is another word entirely that word is called yatsaw y-a-t-s-a-w yatsaw and it means something entirely different. Yatsaw means to wriggle with or to team with or to be thickly populated with. So what he's saying here is, and when we read this, I'm, I'm trying to just lay out some meanings here so scripture will make a little more sense to you, is that only the earth is infused with a life-giving power because every living thing is made of dirt. It just is. And when it dies, it goes back to dirt. But wind and or air and water and the land are also given the ability to maintain the life that God creates. So when he's speaking in this case, he is speaking to the water and the land and the air saying you have the ability to maintain life. And whatever life I put in you, you have the ability to maintain it and to cause it to flourish. He is not saying that some animals are made out of water. And science will tell you that. I don't know if Ken Ham discussed that with you yet. But scientists say, well, you know, two cells got together in the water and crawled out on a slimy rock and then they split. And, you know, so birds are actually reptiles that have transformed. And no. No, that is not true. Um, nothing, no living thing is made of water. We have 90% water in us. We contain water, but we are not made of water. We're made of dirt. When we die, we don't turn to water. We turn to dirt. Okay? So, our foundational composition is dirt. We have the very same chemical composition as dirt. When you look at us, we do. So, so don't take this to mean that some things were made out of water. Nothing was. It was all made out of dirt. But the water and the air and then the land were made not only for the land, not only to give life, but to maintain it. Okay? Contain it and maintain it, I guess would be a good way to say it. So now start with me in verse 20 because this is day 5. Let the waters 
bring forth abundantly. So literally that means let the waters teem with abundant life. The moving creature that has life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Let the air teem with or wriggle with life. You know, fowls that fly in the air. And God created, there it is, Barah. God thought and planned and designed, right here, great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly, which the waters teemed with abundantly. Okay, that word brought, brought forth is Yatsah, alright? So that the waters teemed with abundantly. <clears throat> after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowls multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. I'm going to say this to you. Day five was the beginning of this huge meeting with the three of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they were laying out and designing everything. Nothing was created here on day five materially. No animal materialized on day five. They were designed and planned in God's mind, but they did not materialize on day five. And I'm going to show you proof in Genesis 6, actually, that animals were created after Adam. And isn't it weird how you read something so many times, a million times, and you just, you hear what you want to hear. And it, and it has to fit your little understanding of it, and you miss it. Well, I missed it. I mean, totally missed it. But they were not created on day five. They were created on day six. And I'm going to show you where actually Adam was created first and then the animals. <coughs> and that animals, like Adam, were literally formed by God. The only thing that sprung up untouched by God is the plant life. <coughs> so that's day five. <coughs> he thought it out. He planned it. He spoke that life-maintaining um, power into the water and into the air and onto the land so that the land could maintain um, and take care of all of the animal life that God was about to put on it. Then he had another conversation here, an open conversation, with, Father, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. And this is at the beginning of day six. And day six is hugely busy. So many things happen on day six. Look at verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Okay. The word make there is asa. So let us speak about this. Let's talk it out. Let's plan it so it materializes. We're speaking it into existence here. We're making him in our image and in our likeness. He's going to function the way we function. And let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. <clears throat> so God created man in his own image. Now that word create is bara. <clears throat> God thought about his man, designed his man, laid out the blueprint for his man. Okay. <clears throat> God created man in his own image. In the image of God, Barah created he him. Male and female created he them. So he's still thinking at this point. In day six, he is still thinking <clears throat> about what he's going to make his man like. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, <coughs> and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moves 
upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. And to you it shall be for me. To every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me. And it was so. And God saw everything <clears throat> that he had made. That word made is literally I saw. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay. He did nothing but think and plan on day five. But on day six, it's all going to come down here. So, he's already on day three, got the food crops in. He's got the food crops in. And um, <clears throat> so now go to Genesis chapter 2. You are so sweet. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Dry tickle. Oh my gosh, that's good. <clears throat> Ooh, that was very good. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, look at verse 7. We've already been through verses 1 and 2 there. So look at verse 7. You guys take two. Go to care of me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Verse 7. <clears throat> and God formed, and that word formed is Yatsar, okay? And that literally means not Yasar, but Yatsar. Literally squeezed into being his man. So with his own hands, he took that wet clay, that soaked wet clay, and, and squeezed his man into shape. Now, at the point that Adam is on his feet and he's been squeezed into shape, <clears throat> he has life that, that comes from the soil because the soil has that life empowerment in it. So he's a living being at that point. He has what the Hebrew people call nefesh. Nefesh is like a soul. It's what all animals have. Um, <clears throat> and the ability to move freely, to think and to move freely. That's nefesh. But then God finishes the work by making him function the way he functions. And so he breathes into him the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. Okay, not just a living soul. <clears throat> The, um, the Hebrew scholars in the um, Talmud will tell you that he became that thinking, reasoning, speaking spirit. Now I've heard some really vitriolic um, teaching, people attacking <clears throat> those who call uh, those who use the Hebrew interpretation here, man became a speaking spirit they're saying it literally means a living soul. Where are they getting that speaking spirit? Well, it comes from <clears throat> the writings of these ancient Hebrew people who were interpreting Scripture. Just like John Gill, just like John Wesley, everybody interprets and gives explanation and shines that magnifying glass on. That's what the Hebrew scholars were doing. And, and in order for man to be made to function the way God functions, he must be given that divine essence. The ability not only to move freely like other animals. Animals <clears throat> can think a little bit for themselves and all their thoughts are about survival. But they move freely. They can choose where they want to go. They can choose fight or flight. They can do all those things. But that's nefesh. That's the soul. <clears throat> Man is a much higher being than that. We are able to think and reason 
and speak. We can design and plan and create just like God can and we can speak. And we're made into a light being. So when you hear, if you ever do hear that, um, there's just a lot of of, uh, tacky writing out there slamming the idea that men became speaking spirits. We did. There's no other animal that speaks and communicates like God. We, we are. So it's a, it's a little bit of a foolish argument. But um, So it's the ancient writers in, in the Hebrew um, back even a, to like 100 A.D. Um, that were writing these, these interpretations. Um, they were speaking the interpretations at the time and they weren't all recorded until about 500 A.D. That's when all of that teaching, that body of teaching was recorded. And it continues on. That, that part of, of um, uh, the Jewish faith continues on. People are continually writing and adding to that. Okay, so just so you understand that that's um, where that came from. So if you hear any complaints about it, you'll understand. Okay, so now he's made this man. And this is another interesting thing to me. I always thought he planted the Garden of Eden and then he built his man in the Garden of Eden. That's what I thought. But I want you to look at the next verse. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. My question is, where did he form him? If Adam wasn't planted in the garden, where was he planted? Where was he formed? Um, <clears throat> again, Hebrew scholars say, you know, on the mountain of God, which I don't know where that is. But he was formed somewhere that wasn't the Garden of Eden. And God placed him in the garden once he planted the garden. Which is kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? So you think... Well, did he cause all these plants to come up and then take those beautiful plants and plant this unique garden of Eden and then put the man in that garden? I don't know the answer to that. But when you look at that, it looks as like as though God made this man, then planted a garden specifically for him and then put his man in that garden. So where does that fit in the timeline? You know, where where is that? I don't know. And out of the ground made God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about the locations a little bit later. But I want to go, I want to keep talking about this creation because things happen here it, in chapter 2 that we have to transpose to chapter 1. So this is all in day 6. He's thought about his man. He's talked about his man. What, what, what. And now he's formed this man out of the dirt. And he stuck him in a garden that he planted. Don't know when he planted that garden. But um, you can't plant a garden without plants. So the plants must have been there in order for him to plant an extra garden there, right? So wherever Adam was made, I don't know. But then he was moved into this garden and planted there. Still in day six. Now, this is where it gets really interesting to me. Um, Look at verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. The word formed there is Yatsar again. The same word that he used for making Adam. Out of the ground God formed every unique living animal. He formed him and shaped him with his own fingers. Which tells me he didn't create him in day five. He only thought it up in day five. So in day six... He has created his man first and set him in the garden. And then what does he do? He forms each one of these animals, the beasts of the field, every fowl of the air, 
And then look what he does. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So Adam obviously existed before these animals were made. And once Adam was planted in the garden, God formed the animals out of the clay and brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. So that kind of messes with our timeline somewhat. So that the animals were thought of on day five, but they weren't made till day six. And not only were they not made till day six, but they were made after Adam. Because Adam was already in the garden when God made these little animals and brought them to him to see what he would name them. Um, naming in itself is powerful, and we're going to talk about that later. I still want to just talk about these days of creation. Okay? <clears throat> so he names all these creatures. Adam does. And, and I'm going to submit to you that just like in Noah's day, each kind, we would say species of animals, is represented in the naming. Okay? <clears throat> so that all bovine creatures are one kind. And they produce after their kind. But they have that complete chromosome package too, just like human beings do. So out of Adam and Eve came every race of people. Because every possible combination was there. You remember Biology 101, when you had the black dog and the white dog, you know, and you made your little chart. So you ended up with one white dog, one black dog, and two speckled dogs, right? You remember that chart that we used to make? Okay. Same with men. Okay. Same with animals. There was a kind. And out of that kind, that kind reproduces itself. Now, not every tiny type of a kind may survive. Some may go extinct for whatever reason. But the kind goes on. And we've lost that when you get to this business of eco-whatever, you know. We want to save every little snail darter, every little, you know, tiny fish, whatever. It's the kind that God is interested in being saved. So, so that you have a kind of every creature. So if you have the, the dogs, then you have wolves, you have coyotes, you have foxes, you have you know, all kinds of critters that come out of the dog breeds. Cats are the same way. You've got little kitty cats, you've got every kind of house cat in the whole wide world you can think of. Plus you've got lions and tigers and leopards and mountain cats and you know you have a feline family. So yes they produce after their kind. Cat family is still cat family. Okay? I don't care what they look like. If they have those qualities they're still of the cat family. Right? So after their kind. So if you know, when God brought him these creatures, they were a kind of a creature. And then when they went on their way and they reproduced, they're going to have one brown cow, one white cow, and two spotted cows. And then those spotted cows are going to come out and then you're going to have more spotted and less. It's just the way it works. And um, so we get all hyped up over one tiny um, nano portion of a kind but the kind still goes on and in fact when you look at it even though men die and animals die there is an eternity built into these living creatures because they produce after their kind the kind goes on each generation may pass away but the kind goes on and the traits that my great great grandmother had show up in me and you know and they're showing up in my daughter and 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 so on the 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 gene pool the dna the rna all of that is so multifaceted that even though we die the kind goes on so in a sense there is an eternity built into every kind there may be an end to one speck of it here or there but there's always a new speck that's going to pop up somewhere too 
for the same reasons. And um, so we just, we want to be concerned about the kinds. Species would be the scientific word for it. Um, so, okay. <clears throat> so God created Adam, put him in the garden, then he formed each animal and brought it to Adam to name. Now, still in day six, God has got everybody paired up but Adam. And and somehow, honestly, I've always looked at that and read these scriptures like God's going, Oh my gosh, how could I have forgotten Adam's mate? I mean, I got everything else right. How could I have that slipped up there? You know, oops-a-daisy. But that's not the way it is. That's not the way it is. All right, look at um, verse 20 in chapter 2. And we're going to quit here in a minute. Okay. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmate for him. That doesn't mean that God slipped up. Okay. God knew perfectly well what he was doing when he made Adam. That's why he says made he them, male and female. Because within Adam was Eve. It wasn't like God had to suddenly manufacture somebody. Eve was within Adam. And God knew it. So he just put Adam to sleep and he took Eve out. He removed Eve from his side. You know, along with the rib. Now we all have 12 pairs of ribs. <clears throat> Somewhere I heard a teaching that men have one more rib than we do, but that's not true. We all have the same number of ribs. Count them. Discount. Um, Adam had one more rib than we do <laughs> because that rib belonged to Eve. But um, we all have the equal number of ribs, okay? So discount that. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which God had taken from him made he a woman and brought her to the man. Now, where did he put Eve together? Evidently not there on the spot because he had to bring her to him. So I'm thinking he made her on this mountain too. Wherever, wherever he made Adam, this is the same soil that he used to make Eve. Um, but God didn't come on this by surprise. Like, oh my God, I didn't make him a mate. He had created he, them, male and female within Adam. And not only that, but Adam in his gene pool, I mean, in his uh, seed, in his loins, he, they, they determine sex anyway. They have male and female seed. So, um, um, he had the male and female in him all along. Alright. So, in this same day, day six, Eve was created. There's no afterthought because on day seven, what did he do? He rested. All of his work was done. If he had forgotten about Eve and slipped up and sometimes later had to put Adam to sleep to make a, make a woman, then he wasn't through with all his work. And God's not perfect and he's a liar. And we know that's not true. So she had to be made in day six if God was going to rest from all his work in day seven. Had to be. And I love this picture because what did he do? As a loving father, he brought this woman child that he had made and, hey. Oh, okay, there it is. Sorry about that. He brought this loving child that he had made to her groom. Don't we still do that? Dads walk that little girl down the aisle and give him to the man that she's to marry. God instituted marriage from this day. He brought that little girl, Eve, to her husband. You know, and Adam declares, you know, I'll call her woman. It's actually Isha. 
He is Ish, Ish. And he says, I will call her Isha because she came from me. You know, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So I call her Isha. It's part of me. Okay? Now, verse 24, there, there are scholars that argue about who said this. Um, most say God spoke this. So after Adam has made his declaration about this beautiful woman, um, I, let me see if I can find this. I want to read this to you because it's so powerful. The, I love old books that other people write in. Dusty gave me, he took a, an Old Testament course. So this was my Christmas present. He gave me his Tanakh. But in it, there are notes from other people that are in here. And this one I love. It says, Aha, this is it. This is how it ought to be. It is only in the face of another that you discover who you are. Isn't that powerful? Only in the face of another. Adam had never seen himself. He didn't know. But only in the face of Eve did he discover who he was. And um, so he said, She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. God then speaks up. I choose to think God spoke this. Um, but this is his narrative. The Holy Spirit spoke it if nobody else did. And recorded it. This is the covenant of marriage. Period. Okay? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now that was the institution of marriage. And I know we, we get into t- tough things. Our Methodist church is in a terrible fight right now over this very thing. And um, I will just say this one thing. Jesus confirms this scripture in the New Testament. He repeats exactly what his father said in the New Testament when he's speaking about marriage. A man will leave his wife, I mean his family, and be joined to his his wife. Isha. Ish will leave his family and be joined to Isha. Okay? That is a covenant that was established by God himself. Okay? People can call unions whatever they want to name them. They can do that. But the covenant that God honors is this one. This is the marriage covenant. And this is the one God honors. Um, Every other union, whatever you want to name it, I don't care, is not God-ordained. Does that make sense? It's not a slam on people. It is a statement of fact that if you want to argue with somebody, you've got to argue with the living God about. Um, It isn't something that you and I have anything to say about. We don't have any choice. You either agree with God or you don't agree with God. You know, so we're backed into a corner here too. We can't move, not if we believe that Scripture is what it is. You know, so people who have an argument with this don't have an argument with you and I. They have an argument with the living God. And that's where they need to take it up. Um, it's gotten to be political. It's gotten to be societal. It's gotten to be nasty. Um, but the truth is... If you believe the word is inerrant, then then we don't have any choices. We don't. And um, so we have to be um, on guard about that. You know, that this is just what it is. But um, everything else is semantics. Everything else is just semantics. And then one more simple verse here. Um, the last is, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Therefore ish shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to Isha and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked the man and his wife and they were not ashamed um, in, the, in the Hebrew let me see if I can find it really quick um, it's kind of a heart rending statement actually it says that they live without um without faithfulness in their covenant. They lived in the covenant, but not with, with faithfulness. Um, I can't find it here for, for, you know, for a million dollars. Anytime you want to find it, you know you can't. But um, um, 
It's just such a powerful statement that these Hebrew scholars made. But they just, they live without faithfulness in it. Um, don't you know? You just can't find it when you want it. Um, so when you start thinking about this, yeah, they, they were unashamed, but they also were not faithful in that covenant. And the reason they were not faithful um, is because of pride. Pride took care of that. Um, and we'll, we'll see that when we get into the fall. So that'll we'll talk about the fall next week. Um, but that takes you up to the day of rest. Well, we'll get through the day of rest next week, and then we'll see about the fall. We'll see how far we get. Okay, let me just pray for you. Father, I just ask for blessings on every person here. Um, I ask that you bless them in their goings and their comings, Father, and meet every need they have according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Father, I ask that you be with us, that you um, speak to us this week, that you fellowship with us, that we, we sense your presence, Lord. Um, just tenderize our hearts to know that you're near. Um, and Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the answers, Lord. We love you. Amen. Guys, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for coming here. You're coming to that film. Wish I could find that. Do you just hate that? Okay. Yeah. When you can't find something. Oh, sure. Okay, I can help you. Where is that? Where is it at? Here? What is it? Friday at 7. I think it's 12. Um, hey, have a good day. Okay, Tom, see you later. Well, we have every Friday. No, I think it's like one. I do. Oh, are you at your every Friday, though? Yeah. And how's it going out there? Better? Thanks. Good. I'm working. I. I just wondered if you would see a change with um, well, let's see. John I, being out I there. Doing the last. I don't think I've actually done a, done a study for three or four weeks because it's just all. I, I go and one night I went there and. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.